Welcome, Summer Weekend Warriors. We're glad to have you. Weekend Warriors, is that what we're calling them? All right. Weekend Warriors. Weekend Warriors. Let us know where you're watching from right now. Did you know that Echo could be your place, your people, and your purpose all in one space? It's beautiful. It really is. We encourage you to take your first steps into this life-giving local church and find the community and the support that you've been hoping for. Stop by at Mayo High School for one of our services at 9.30 and 11 a.m. on Sundays. We'd love to meet you. We also want to say thank you for your obedience to God's word in the form of giving back to God through giving of your tithe, which if you don't know is 10% of your income as worship to God. If you're looking to give, head to our website or text any amount to 84321. Enjoy Echo Online service. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah.
God, this morning we just take a moment, a moment out of our day to draw back to you. God, to come to your presence, to come to your throne room. God, we bring you honor and praise in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
work that only he can do for us to lay down our burdens our our grief our struggle that we call victory over every situation let's sing this together come Holy Spirit come Come and do what only you can do. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and do what only you can do. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and do.
us to worship you in this place. We thank you that we can come into a church this morning and worship you with our community and faith, God. God, I just pray that you'd prepare our hearts for whatever you may have for us in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Google tells me that um, supposedly there's rude things that happen in our life. We have rude behaviors. If you haven't been able to tell, we're starting a brand new series called Rude Jude. Can everybody just say Rude Jude for me? Just got to make sure you're out there. Uh, Google tells me that uh, if you wear too much perfume, you might be being rude. Everybody, everybody, look, everybody sniff the person next to you. <laughs> Uh, how about this one? Rude, uh, Google tells me that you may be uh, rude if while in conversation you use the word actually or just. Maybe, maybe not. Just checking out the room here. Like, uh, you're like, no, no, that's okay, that's okay. How about this? Not accepting compliments from people close to you is being rude. It's a tough crowd today. <laughs> It is difficult doing that. How about this one? I think you all relate to this one. You've had, that, you've had this person enter your workspace. If not, you're probably that person. Bringing pungent food to the work and warming it up in the microwave. Someone last hour screamed, salmon. <laughs> like that's the last thing. So anyway, anybody bringing salmon to work tomorrow? Anybody, anybody? I see that hand. Tuna. Oh yeah, tuna's bad. Uh, and how about this one, uh, which this one deeply, uh, deeply uh, resonates with me. It says personal grooming in public. Uh, you know, so let me just, uh, how about like personal hygiene? I, I am guilty for driving down the road while flossing in my car. <laughs> Come on, anybody else do that? Or two, two bears with one song? Yes, thank you. There's one awesome person in here besides me. Uh, so maybe I might be rude, uh, maybe I'll be rude, and maybe in the next few weeks I'll, I'll, I'll let you aware of, uh, let, let you become aware of what Google thinks is rude. Uh, we're starting a new series. It's, it's, it's going to be kind of uh, jumping back and forth throughout the summer. I'm excited about the summer because we're going to have a number of guests speaking, which uh, I just want to pause. Next weekend, our very own Pastor Isaiah is speaking for the first time on this stage. Uh, so uh, pray for him this week. You might want to fast for him. He's probably going to be a little nervous, you know. Uh, no, who knows? No, he's going to do phenomenal. Uh, but we are starting a new series. It's going to span throughout the summer, but again, it'll be kind of jumping back and forth. And it's on the book of Jude. And I labeled it Rude Jude because if you ever read Jude, man, it is straight to the point. I mean, it's like, it, it, it just kind of, you're going to hear it, you're going to feel it today. It just kind of cuts to the point. Uh, what I like about Jude also is it's one of the shortest books in the Bible. <laughs> Uh, and uh, my wife's really concerned about that. Like, she's like, you really going to talk about Jude for the whole summer? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and, and, and no one else is excited in the room about it, but I am. I am, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, because he is straight to the point, and I think it's the perfect springboard uh, to go ahead and connect a bunch of different scriptures to what Jude is trying to present to the local church, which, by the way, it involves us. Like, it, it connects with us, and it addresses us. Uh, and so my other last piece of advice with the book of Jude is uh, if anybody has ever asked you, have you ever read a book in the Bible, this one is it. This is it. There's 461 Greek words, in, which makes it the fifth shortest book in Scripture. And so please, please, this week, open up the book of Jude and just read through it. And I'll tell you what, if you sit down on the toilet, you open up the book of Jude, you will be done with both of them by the time everything's finished. I guarantee you that. Okay, I'm just warming up the crowd here. Come on, come on, guys. It's functional. We all do that, okay? You know what I'm saying? Um, but today, before we uh, go into uh, the series over the summer and, and, and reference Jude really throughout the, the, uh, the next few months, um, I want us to understand who Jude is. Because I believe to understand the message, it's important to get to 
know the messenger. Jude is a very interesting person, and there's some definitely connections and dynamics that he carries. So to understand the message, what I'm going to try to do just in the beginning of this message is to help you understand a little bit more about the messenger. And so who's Jude? That's kind of fun to say. Would you say who's Jude back to me? Thanks for asking. I would love to tell you. Jude 1.1 says this, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Which, by the way, Scott, thank you for that courtesy laugh. I really appreciated that. I really did. Uh, so who is Jude anyway? Jude, at number one, is the brother of James. We just read it there. But if you go ahead and really look into this and you read into, read some commentaries and, and look into biblical scholars, what they think is at the beginning of this book, this is a mark of modesty, humility, and validation for Jude. When, he's, when it says brother of James, it is him setting himself up and really setting himself in a place of modesty, humidity, or humidity. It was humid in this room today when I was setting up, but a humility and validity. James was the better well-known brother. And, and, and it, was, it was him leveraging that relationship to share with the church, this is who I am. So the second thing we need to understand is this is it is a widely accepted understanding that he's actually brothers to Jesus as well. That Jude is brothers to Jesus. Did you know, a lot of people believe this, uh, it, Jesus had four brothers. And it's believed that Jude is one of them. And, and I actually believe that it, it, there's a high percentage that they're that that probably is the case. Uh, but some commentaries say, well, if he wasn't a brother, then he was a very close relative to Jesus. And which, by the way, makes me just think about, oh, someone's texting me here, thank you. They're probably making fun of me, or I don't even know how to use this. There it is. Um, thank you for all those notifications, everybody. I really appreciate that. We're going to edit that out later. I'm putting it on do not disturb. Maybe a good reminder for you to put your phone on do not disturb. Um, a brother of brothers to Jesus. Um, how many of you know that within your relationships, your family is the hardest to convince of anything? Like it's hard to trick your family. Do you all get what I'm saying? Like they know you, the people that are closest to you. And so I just think you need to understand that when we open up the book of Jude and we start reading this, you have to think about that in contextually, that Jude grew up with Jesus as his older brother. And yet he believes uh, a commentary quote. This is what they say. It says, what changed from the days before resurrection when his brother did not believe in him, but thought him deranged, deranged. Uh, J Jude and James, for that sake, they were not disciples of Jesus, but something happened between, or from, from life, death, resurrection, and to this point where they have come, become a follower of Jesus. The commentary continues, and it says this, uh, now that he had become a believer. Jude's aim was to utterly, or Jude's aim was to be utterly at the disposal of his Messiah, Jesus. Which I think it carries weight that his Messiah is also his brother. <laughs> Which brings us to the third thing about Jude. Jude was a devoted servant a slave to Jesus, or let me say it like this, a bond servant to Jesus. He willingly offered himself to the service of Jesus, which I think carries a ton of weight. And it's not because he's brothers. It's not because he's a younger brother uh, to Jesus. It's, it's by his decision that he's looking at Jesus post-resurrection and in early New Testament church times saying, I truly believe in who Jesus said he was. How many are a younger brother here? How many older brother, younger sister, you know, all that? 
it, it, I'm telling you what, it is not the way that it is in your family where the younger brother serves the older brother. It was not like that. It was not meant to be like that. But this was him saying, guess what? I serve, yes, my older brother, Jesus. But I do it in the context of him not being my brother, but being my Messiah, my Savior, my teacher. The fourth thing we have to understand uh, before we get into really uh, the scripture that I want to present today and, and really the, the general theme of today is Jude was a traveling teacher, uh, which means he would travel to a location. He'd step into a new context. He would speak before a new group of people, and then he would drop some truth bombs. He would drop, drop the mic and, and, and what he did within Jude actually is pretty remarkable because he was extremely culturally relevant, so relevant that when you read Jude this week, you're going to be like, where is this coming from? Why is he saying what he's saying? Because he took the language of the day and, he, uh, and, and, and really the stories of that day and, and the religious, um, maybe thematic Uh, components of his faith, and he really applied it to the context of that day. I am so convinced of that, that if he was speaking on this stage today, he would be dropping Netflix references over and over to help you understand what he's actually trying to get across. He was extremely relevant, but then what what he would do is he would leave. He would leave. So he was a, he was a teacher. He was a traveling teacher. And, and with that in mind, I just want to present this idea and this concept of rude Jude. I wonder if we would invite him into our spirituality, our walk with God. I wonder if we'd welcome Jude and his message in this context. Because it's so easy to sit in your seat, hear the message, and think, I wish so-and-so heard it, instead of looking within the mirror of our soul and say, you know what, maybe I need to hear this. So what does Rude Jude have to say? Well, he starts with this. He says, there is a worm amongst you. <laughs> Isn't that great to hear? I mean, put that, and again, don't look around, okay? Don't nudge anybody that you know. But what if I'm telling you that today? What if the Holy Spirit is is presenting that? What if there is a worm amongst us? What if something has crept into our faith that is beginning to deconstruct us in an unhealthy way? What if this message wasn't just for 2,000 years ago? What if this message was for us today? Now, he continues on, and, and it actually, uh, it, it, it coincidentally uh, goes with a PhD uh, reference. Number one, he says, there's a worm amongst you. By the way, this worm is perverting God's grace. It's also handing out a license to sin, which ultimately disowns our master, Jesus. Is anybody glad that they came to church this morning? <laughs> If he walked into this room, he would walk to this stage, he'd say the same thing, and he would say this, there is a worm amongst us, and and if we're not careful, that worm will creep within us, within our culture, within our way of life, and what we'll begin to do is begin to pervert God's grace, It it will start redefining what God's grace truly is, it will start handing out license to sin, which ultimately will lead us to a place of potentially disowning who Jesus is and taking Jesus from the center of our faith and putting it on the peripheral. Now, Jude, who is slightly rude by telling that us, to, uh, telling, uh, that us, uh, telling us that today, doesn't just stop there. Now, this is just a summary of the book, and we'll go back at this here uh, throughout the summer, but let me just say it really, really quickly. This is what he says. God looks at his, at the pe- or Jude looks at his people and the people he's writing this to, and he says this. I want to remind you of this. I want to remind you of this. God delivers, but he also destroys. And I mean, we could just stop right there. That, that is not an easy message to hear. We like moving forward and moving upwards. We don't like this idea that God may destroy, that he may need to tear certain things down in our life. But he started telling contextually and really in the, 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 the theme of this book is he looks at his, the people and it says, God delivers. Remember this, God delivers and he also destroys. And then this is where he starts really throwing some truth bombs or really 
cutting to the heart. He says this, you filthy spots, you waterless clouds, uh, trees without fruit, savage, savage sea waves, you dark stars that are wandering in the sky. I mean, we wish, and I imagine the people hearing it wish that Jude would have stopped there, but he didn't. He goes, you, gr- you grumblers, you complainers, you cravers, you dividers, and, 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 and this is how I paraphrase it, but he in essence says, you robots control you by your senses. Oh, by the way, and this is where it really hurts, you don't even have the spirit. I mean, I can feel like, you know, the wind or the air just being sucked out of this room. I mean, he is just slapping the people left and right with his, his words. And, and, and I just want to say this. What if we're the worm here today? What if something has crept into our faith, our theology, our relationship with God, and, and maybe, quite maybe, the Holy Spirit's voice is trying to creep back in to bring us at a healthy space where Jesus is truly at the center. Now, what Jude did well was not just rip into his audience. He also framed it up in three different ways, so thematically through this book with these four simple words. But you, dear friends. In Jude 1, 3, verse 17, and verse 20. And I... You need to hear that today because I think there's some people that walked into this room and you, hear, you begin to hear this message and you're like, you, you're, you're just like bent in a way that when you hear like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe there's a worm in the room. I am a worm. And then there's others of you that walk into this room and, and you're like God's gift to mankind and maybe you need to hear that. But for the most part, like uh, some of us, we hear this and we're like, oh yeah, you know, that's true. Like I don't, I don't, it doesn't add up in my, in my life. I, I can't really... Uh, make headway, and yes, I continually struggle, and yes, I'm always disappointing someone, including God. You need to hear today that the Holy Spirit and God's message for you today is but dear friends. And as Brandon was leading that last song and, and last hour I was sitting there and, and I just had this, this, this massive sense of gratitude and gratefulness and care and appreciation for this church. And I was like, man, I, I'm just the luckiest guy in the world that I get to do this every week. And it wasn't, I get to set up all these things on stage and these banners and give coffee away and, and give childcare for an hour. It's not that, the biggest joy that I have in my life is to be your pastor. And it's this opportunity just to look at you and not only from stage, but, but face-to-face over coffee or in a table community or, or in a gathering and say, but dear friends. And that's what Jude did and he did that very well. And so if you, I just don't want you to walk away from this as a, and go, man, that message was really hard. I want you to be reminded today that God looks at you and says, but dear friends. And I think we all, we all need to hear that. If you open up your Bible, if you would, uh, and your, your, your application uh, on whatever mobile device that you have on Do Not Disturb, thanks to my reminder. Uh, open up to Jude and go all the way to the end of the book and in Jude 24 and 25. I want to kind of lean in and do a little bit of a word study with this. It says, for him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Now, I just need to lean into that scripture just for a second. For him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence. You know what's interesting here? It doesn't say this. It doesn't say for you who keep yourself from stumbling so that you might present yourself to his, God's glorious presence without fault and, great joy, and with great joy. I need you to hear this, but dear friends, you cannot do this alone. 
You left to yourself will only get yourself so far. What you need to hear is this, is Judas trying to get his audience attention to say, you cannot do this alone. Yes, you may be the worm, and because you are the worm, you can't fix it, but I can. In verse 25, it says this, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore, which includes today. It is a reminder that this message is relevant for today. It's relevant for our heart. It's relevant for our life, that, that God wants to step in and refine and, and, and repair and renew and keep your faith today. Now, what I want to do is I want to magnify a little bit. I want to, I'll get a magnifying glass, and, and I want to look into this word keep. For him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And it's a Greek word in this, in this reference, and, and it, pronounce, it pronounced in a way, it's like phalasso. And it means to watch and to keep watch. And it creates an image of a man or a woman on a watchtower keeping something safe. And one of my favorite things to do in scripture is to, to, to grab one, one word out of a scripture that kind of pops out and then do a little word study on it and, and, and then see what, where else in scripture does it use that same word to help better understand what God's trying to say in that original scripture. And where we find it is in Luke 18, verse 21. And if you want to go there, you can, uh, you can write that down if you'd like. But Luke 18, verse 21, this reference and this story is in three out of the four Gospels, which, by the way, means it is important. And it is the story of the rich, young ruler. Do you know that story? It's the man who comes up to Jesus and it says this, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And then he goes out and he says something like this. He says in verse 21, this is the rich young ruler to Jesus. And you can kind of sense maybe there's a little worm in his life that has crept in. He says, I have kept all of this, all this law since my youth. What do I still lack? I have kept all of this since my youth. What do I still lack? Lack. How can I inherit king, the kingdom of God? I, I think he walked into Jesus's context and in his teaching with his disciples. And, and, and I think he walked in and, and he was doing everything that he needed to do. And he was doing and he was being faithful. And, and, and he, he, he really did follow the law. He also walked in with this sense of pride. He walked into the sense of, of maybe feeling like he was semi-incomplete, although he had done so much. And Jesus looks at him and he says, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Which sent out the rich young ruler out of that context, out of that space, and it said that he was sad. And after he left, the disciples leaned into Jesus and they asked this simple question, who then can be saved? Which gives me this idea that they might have known a little bit about the rich young ruler, who he was and his reputation, maybe the good man that he was. And the disciples look at him and say, well, well if he can't do it, then who can? Which Jesus responds, he says this, and this is what you need to hear. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I want to remind us today at the beginning of this summer that it is impossible for us to refine our faith and to make it perfect. We need God to step in and to allow even the, vo the voice of the Holy Spirit to continue to refine us, but also to push us towards community and to encourage us to be obedient in the voice of God. I, what I want to tell you is this. We all need a rude Jude in our life. Ah, beyond the wealth for the rich young ruler, I think the one thing that he was afraid of was community, and he was just not willing to be obedient, obedient to the voice of God. When I look across this room, I, I would say this is,
we struggle in faith. Maybe we resonate in doubt. Maybe we, we start uh, living a certain way. I would, I would just tell you this. It could be mirrored to the rich young ruler in the way of this is this lack of community and the lack of his ability or his willingness to be obedient with the small, still, and quiet voice of the one who is trying to lead us. Now, when I was reading this scripture and I was thinking about the rich young ruler and I was thinking about this word keep and the concept of a watchtower, I I had this image of, yes, like a watchtower or even a castle. And if you've watched any movie, you know, you've always seen that person on the watch, on the tower, on the edge of the castle wall. And if they see an intruder come, their one job is this, is to make everybody else aware of what is coming. But beyond that little image, I got to thinking about how we live our life many times. And, and, and it's like we've got the person on the watchtower. We've got the person that, that is sitting there looking and, and, and ready to warn us. But unfortunately, when we go to bed, we put earplugs in our ear and we just go to bed. Expecting that we might hear the warning. I, we went, Christy and I went to uh, dinner on Friday night with some friends, and, and uh, at some point in conversation, the husband agreed that he couldn't hear out of his left ear or the right ear. I can't remember what it, one, what it was, but, but he said he always sleeps on his good ear, so he sleeps very well at night. But it's kind of like that, I think that's the image, I think, in our faith. That's what we do. We've got the watchtower. We have the Holy Spirit. We sing these really cute, fanciful songs that say, come, Holy Spirit, come. But when he speaks to us, we have muted the ear that can hear it. And I would just tell you, what is the use of a man uh, or a person on the watchtower if we just simply won't listen? What I want to do is willingly say, rude Jude, you have voice in my life. I put you at the, on the tower. I put you on the watchtower. I put you on the edges of my life. And, and I am willing to hear you. See, the watch. Guard can watch all he wants, but if we do not pay attention, what is he doing? So where, where are the handles? What can we take away from, from these references within Jude? Well, I'm to ask you three questions. Number one, does God have your ear? The whole, does the Holy Spirit have your ear? I mean, let's, Christina are probably awfully too real for you, but I know that there are scenarios when you're driving or you're at work or maybe you're ordering food at your favorite fast food restaurant and there are opportunities for you yourself to be rude. Because you're disappointed, you're disillusioned, right? Your, 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 your expectations aren't being met. What if we would allow the Holy Spirit to be in those moments at that very time to have the loudest voice and also direct us the strongest in that moment? So the question for you today is this, is does God have your ear? In those moments when, when someone's speaking ill of you or uh, someone's sending an email or you're seeing something on social media, a statement, and you just feel uh, this, this, this fire burning within your soul, maybe, quite maybe, we need to give God the loudest voice at that very moment. That's the question number one. Number two is this, is who beyond God is keeping watch for you? I think that's a really good question. Who beyond God is keeping watch for you? You know what that's called? That's called a gift. That is a gift and not every single one of us have that and I just present that to you because I think some of you need to go find that. And then the third question which is tied to the second question is this, is who has permission to speak that you actually will listen to? (laughs) That's my awkward laugh. 
Because it's one thing when you ask someone to step into your life and become your wa- a watchman, a watch lady, a watch person, you know, for, for you. It's one thing to attune your ears to the Holy Spirit. It's a whole nother thing to actually hear it and actually apply what they're saying to your life. It's hard to hear rude people. Right? It's hard to hear tough truth. It's, it's hard to listen to truth tellers from time to time. And I have an example for you today. Um, one of those people in my life that I'm really extremely appreciative for is my wife. And again, uh, I'm thankful for a few things for her and our relationship. I'm thankful for her voice. I'm thankful for at moments, her critique. I'm also thankful for her being on the watchtower and also bringing compliments. I mean, if we're going to be that person on the watchtower, we don't have to be the doomsday person all the time. Yes, we have that position, but let's find that balance of, yeah, there is a critique, but at other moments, there is a compliment. I appreciate, and I'm so thankful for Christy bringing that into my life. Uh, the, the second thing that I'm thankful for is, is her hard conversations. I'll say it like this, our hard conversations. Just a couple months ago, we were relationally strained. Uh, and it was very difficult um, to get along uh, for, a, for, a, for, a, for a period of time there. And she would go do her thing, then I would go do her things. We were so busy running around everywhere, going this way, uh, doing that, and uh, you know, leading here, leading there. And, and it just, it become difficult. And I could just begin to sense my heart hardening and, and, and uh, a disdain and a disappointment. And uh, Christy and I went out on a date and, and actually, as I think about this in hindsight, it was, I would hate to, well, I mean, it was an embarrassing date because literally we were sitting out in public and we were just grieving. We were just like, like throwing down each other's grievances over the table. I couldn't imagine what everybody thought about us. I could just, one of you were probably next to him going, that's my pastor. <laughs> but I'm thankful for the hard conversation. Because what many of us do is instead of having the hard conversation, instead of hearing and inviting those conversations in our life, we just lay those aside and just let them fester. There's some of you, you go to your water cooler at work or, or when you're hanging out uh, with your friends and, and you start talking about people that you're in relationship with. And that means if you're married or you're, you're dating or you're just friends and you start complaining about those other people, I, I just want to remind you today, complain all you want. It'll get you nowhere. At some point, you need to be willing to have that hard conversation with the people that you love. My beloved friends. If you are a beloved friend, we need to learn to be a truth teller. You know what the worst thing in your life is? People who tell you half truths. Did you hear that? It's one thing to hear someone lie to you. I think it's worse getting a half truth because you can really believe those things. There is a blessing in inviting a truth teller into your life. And then the last thing is this, and this is what I'm appreciative, appreciative for my wife is her hugs. I invite her voice into my life to have space to tell me whatever she wants. Number two, I am willing to have a hard conversation with her although it might hurt. But at the end of the day, what Christy and I have in our relationship, our covenant agreement, is we're committed to one another. And we will always embrace. And today I just sense, you know, some of you are like, man, I wish I had that in my life. I wish I had someone that was a truth teller. I wish someone would, would step into my life. And, and, and some of you, when you hear maybe stories of Christy and I and, and, and reference to marriage, 
uh, maybe some of you feel incomplete and I would just tell you that you are not. Uh, I'm just trying to tell you, I wanna tell you this, is, is there are people in your life that God has positioned and you may even be sitting next to them in church today that you've gotta invite them into your life to be a person of truth. A person that could step into your life and contextualize maybe the things that the Lord has been speaking to you about through his word and through his Holy Spirit leading. Jesus, today, I, um, I sense there's, there's some people that walk in, walked into this space and They're asking, how may I inherit the kingdom of God? How might I have a, a faith that is alive and well and active and effective and, and one that I, I sense is, is moving forward? And, 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 and God, I sense at the same time, there's some individuals that, man, are just beat down in life and, and they don't need to be convinced that they feel like a worm. And, and God, I just ask that the message that they would hear today in the Holy Spirit, that your voice would just simply whisper this one concept, my dear friends whom I love. God, remind us individually and collectively, God, that you... God, you come into this space not looking for perfect people. You're looking for the people who have just simply have their hands wide open and willing to receive. Receive everything that you have. To receive your love. To receive your grace. To hear your voice. And to be obedient with it. Holy Spirit, just as we sung earlier, would you come into this space, not into this school, but into our hearts and into our minds. God, I just ask that you begin to solidify the message and solidify uh, uh, really the theme or solidify the direction, uh, God, or maybe the practical steps that you want us to take this we, God, I just ask this all across this room that, that if we don't have someone in our life that can truth tell, God, that you would just give us a name or two that we could invite, God, that, that would, would just allow somebody to speak truth to be a person that would be on the watchtower for us, God. At the same time, I just sense that there are some individuals that you're, you're calling to be on the watchtower for somebody else. God, I just ask that you would solidify those types of relationships all into this context. Good friends, my beloved friends for one another. David writes, Psalm 141, verse three, it, said, it says this, set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep, there's a word, keep watch over the door of my lips. Today, I just wanna add this, keep watch over our lives. Lord, keep watch over our lives. I want to unapologetically, un, un, unapologetically remind you that table communities are starting just in a few weeks. And if you don't have someone that is on the wall for you, that are sitting there on the watchtower, quite possibly a table community is the place where you can meet that person. Don't be like the rich young ruler where you feel like you might have everything but lose the most important things. And that's community, and I believe doing community and obedience to God together. Let's invite people into our lives and let's invite ourselves into others' context as well. Lastly, I want to remind us that it, we'd like to believe that, that we do a lot of this work. 
Lord, I remind you that it's actually God that does the majority of it. And every week we pray a prayer that just simply reminds us that we cannot do life alone. That it's by our surrender, it's our willingness to listen and to follow his voice that ultimately brings us forward. And so I want to invite you to to stand as we once again invite Jesus into the center of our life, in the center of our relationships, in 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 the center of our direction in the center of our ambition. Let's pray, church. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Just in the next few moments, can we just pause? Can we allow the Holy Spirit to speak? as we reflect on what he's doing inside us.
be at a lot of churches, and I just want to say, like, I just prefer worshiping with Echo. Like, that's just always the case. I love you guys. Uh, Andy talks a little bit about truth-telling. Turns out my wife comes from a family of truth-tellers. So much so that we've been married a couple years, and my, my mother-in-law told my wife that her new haircut looked hideous. That's a direct quote. I, like, I'm not embellishing that at all. And it turns out it was the one and only time that my wife dyed her hair black. It was just a try. So I think the funny thing about it is it's possible that my mother-in-law was correct, but it turns out the truth just came out a little too strong. And I came from a family that, I don't know, just kind of kept everything inside and you would never have said anything like that. So I was just like still to this day, I'm kind of in shock that she said that out loud. So it just makes me think of being a truth teller, but also remember what the Bible reminds us of one other part. Tell the truth what? In love. In love. Don't forget that part. So no, don't tell anybody their haircut looks hideous today. Deal? I don't want to be that church. Don't be that church. Echo Church, we like to celebrate a few people. Can we celebrate those that are here for the very first time today? If that's you, we want you to take this card, fill it out, and go hang out with our people at the info table. They have a gift card for you. They get to know you a little bit, tell you about some next steps to take here at Echo. We'd love to have you do that. Another group we want to celebrate is those that said the prayer with us for the very first time today. Come on. 